are down to 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Sparks. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Monday morning shows, man, they drive me nuts. I I didn't do one last week because I was in Port St. Lucie, but I feel like people, the overnight crew doesn't get started till Monday night in a Tuesday morning. And I believe you and I have talked about this for years now, where this shift, for whatever reason, it's like the end of the weekend. I was literally just explaining it to EJ, too, how the Monday dynamic works and how weird it is, especially during football season. Yeah, it's so weird. If football, it's, I mean, at least with football, you get all the games to react to. Usually it's a little bit better as far as caller volume or whatever, just feels a little different. But even that, you would think, like, the Monday mornings are uh, normal. They're not. Like, I'll be on tonight again at midnight, and people will call as if it is Monday morning or, or like, they're Monday. And it's in my world, it's Tuesday. I'm basically going to do the same show unless something happens crazy later on today. I mean, the lead is Anthony Volpe and the Yankees and all that stuff. Um, Look, maybe the Rodgers trade gets completed at some point here, but... Uh, nothing crazy. It's going to be baseball this week. You know, reacting to whatever the Knicks, uh, the Rangers, and the Islanders. By the way, I was at the Islander game uh, on Saturday night, and they do uh, they really do a great job. And it was nice to be able to take my nephew out this time. They had invited me last time, uh, or they invited me after last time where I went with Geo, and, you know, the whole thing about me being an Islander fan, all that nonsense. But they invited me and my nephew out, and we, we had a great time. It, it is remarkable how nice of an organization the Islanders are. And Mr. Ledecky and everybody there, Jay, who, who takes care of us, they uh, are such a first-class organization. But disappointing results yet again for the Islanders as, uh, you know, they get blanked by the Sabres on Saturday and the Islanders fighting, as we mentioned before, for a postseason spot. And I personally... Uh, yeah, we love to see all three get in. The Devils have clinched their spots. You know, they're in. The Rangers will get in. It's just a matter of time. They have been red hot as of late. Will the Islanders end up hanging on to, uh, you know, one of the final spots there? And I, I think they will get in. You look at it right now. They have a point. Uh, they're a point ahead of Pittsburgh. And they are, what, four points ahead of Florida. So the Islanders are in a good spot there. The Rangers end up beating Florida, who've now lost three in a row. So they should be okay, but still losing two straight. Um, you know, the Islanders are not doing themselves any favors. But how cool will it be to get all three locals in the postseason this year? And UBS Arena, such a nice arena. Great crowd Saturday night as well uh, on hand. Packed arena. And you know, it'll it'll be fun around here once the playoffs start to you know, getting underway. And look, the Islanders got to make it, and that'll be their season. Anything could happen once you get in. But realistically, we know it is not going to be. I mean, I guess if Sorokin goes on a run, he can maybe carry him a little bit. But they're going to have a tough schedule going up against a top team in the uh, Atlantic, uh, potentially. Um, but anyway, the you know they'd have to face probably let's say Carolina first. Then if they win that, you know they move on to the Atlantic Division, which is not going to be easy. Uh, with the Rangers, it's likely going to be Rangers and Devils, but we'll see how that plays out. What do we got left here? Three, six, seven, eight, nine games left for the Rangers. So, I mean, we're getting down to it with both uh, the NBA and the NHLs. We look forward to their postseason. And 
right now getting ready for baseball season as well to start this week. Stewart is calling from Brooklyn. Good morning, Stewart. Good morning, Sal. <laughs> Anthony Volpe, amazing. Congratulations, Stuart. You've done it. I did it. I got him on the team. But you know what the ironic part about this, Sal, is that Peraza got sent down. I feel like we haven't talked in a while, Stuart. Is that accurate? That's accurate, Sal. And whose fault is that, Sal? Well, I don't know. Oh, maybe because I did. Uh, well, why? I did. You, I was you here. haven't I did, been I did, I did, I did uh, afternoons on Friday, which means I was off. Thursday night into Friday morning. Well, I feel like I was there. I don't know. Where were you last week? Anyway. I was th- I, what do you mean, where was I? Where do you think I was? I was calling you. Yeah, that is true. But, okay, well, whatever. We didn't talk. So, yes, oh. what are they going to do with Peraza? That is a big question. Second base. When? When they trade Glaber? Yeah, when they, when they trade Glaber, and, you know, hopefully they do. They put Peraza second, and uh, Mr. Donaldson should take a walk and uh, put DJ LeMayu at third base. Well, a couple of things. Boone said LeMayu is going to be the leadoff hitter. That's number one. And that, we all that, knew that. But that's, that where, that's where it should be. Right, we all knew that, but to have it confirmed was nice. The other thing is I'm not sure that Volpe is going to be a better shortstop than Peraza. Offensively, yes, but let's just say that they trade Glaber or Glaber gets hurt for whatever reason. I don't know if they wouldn't be better off with Peraza at short and Volpe at second long term. I feel like that's the the better lineup. You you probably are right, but the thing is, for the time being, he's the shortstop. Correct. That is correct. And uh, Peraza has to go down and refine his offensive skills and maybe. Are you worried? Yeah. Well, that is true. Peraza got to get offensive. Uh, got to improve offensively. Are you worried about the rotation? I mean, it's been ravaged here, Stewart. Mm, I'm worried about it. Yes. I'm worried about Severino. Hopefully it's not nothing serious. Montes, you know, Montes was good in Oakland, and hopefully he can come back and contribute. But from what I'm hearing, they're talking about Clark Schmidt being in Montes's place and putting well, yeah, uh, be Montes in the bullpen. Well, Montes, forget it. He's hurt. So, but, I'm but saying when he Cole... comes back from in the bullpen, what do you think? Cole, Cortez, Herman, Schmidt, and then maybe Johnny Brito or something for that fifth spot. It's just, I mean, the Yankee rotation coming into the year, Stuart, as but you know. One of the best. Yeah, if not the best. And now yeah. they've already lost three-fifths of it. Not that I thought Montas was any good, but with Rodone, with Sevi, those are two guys I was counting on heavily in this Yankee tough. rotation. But Severino, I don't I remember 18 when he was like 18 and four, and he finished third in the Cy Young with a 3.08 ERA and the 230 strikeouts. And I remember he was that good. And then the following year, you had Herman go with 18 and four, and then he had his problems, whatever they may, might have been. And I don't understand what these guys like. I'll keep on saying for the life of me. These guys are too tightly wound, meaning their muscles are so tight that if they make one wrong move, there's going to be a problem. Something terrible. Boone, you know, Boone was saying, you've heard, Stuart, that he talked about, or John Carlo talked about being in a groove or whatever it was, in a rhythm, if he plays the outfield as well. Well, Boone talked about it, saying that he believes that John Carlo can be healthier if playing more in the outfield. Saying I that a lot of the injuries sometimes happen from just sitting around DHing, so he feels like getting him I, in the game in the outfield will help. I agree with him because Bo Stanton is tight. 
He's very tight. He's got to be more flexible. And by playing the field would make him a little bit more flexible and a lot more engaged in the game. And he, <laughs> and you know, he seems to be more engaged when he's playing the field. When he's did you have a nice weekend, Stuart? What'd you do this weekend? Anything good? Um, out to Manhasset, see my people out there in the in the Apple Store. We were talking. Yeah. And I saw, you know, just just basically getting away from my house. Okay, just getting out for a little bit. They just getting out, yes. Yeah. Well, today, Saturday the weather was no good. It was cold and rainy Saturday. Oh, so cold and rain, please. doesn't bother me. It was. What do you mean? It was cold and rainy. I had to walk in a, you know, I went to the Alton again in the parking not, lot. I, it does not bother me. When you've done what I've done, having to shovel out two cars, <laughs> Well, I mean, it was still, it wasn't it wasn't great weather. Yesterday it was very nice. It was oh, maybe yeah, a little cool, but I relaxed. Yeah, it was nice going I, to the park yesterday. We, we had a nice little day. Oh yeah, it was nice, nice day. Yeah. But uh, what was I saying to you? Yeah, but you I don't know. But <laughs> uh, say this much. Well, so are you going to be on this week for the whole week so I can talk to you? I am going to be on this whole week. Oh, good. I will be on. Actually, I have a different, uh, a little different schedule, but I will be here. Um, uh, knock on wood. Uh, thank you for the call, Stuart. Good to hear from you. I will be doing tonight. I'll be on 12 a.m. to 5. The following night, same thing, following morning. So technically Tuesday morning, 12 to 5, Wednesday, 12 to 5. Then I'll be back Wednesday night after the net game. Uh, I guess Keith is off. So I'll be on Wednesday night. Uh, following Nets till 2 a.m., which means no Thursday uh, morning overnight. And then I'll be back Friday overnight, which will be great because Thursday's opening day. So we'll be back on 12 o'clock to 5. We get a couple of three uh, three days this week. We get the five-hour shifts, 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. So I will be uh, back to a somewhat normal schedule aside from Thursday morning. But I will be on late Wednesday night. Tony is calling from Lodi. What's up, Tony? Sal, uh, first thing first, I'm just a Yankee hater, but all the Volpe stuff is making me sick, bro. I mean, like, people are posting all over social media. Enough. Like, it's great that the kid made it, but my God. Um, yeah, it is. I, I do agree with you to a certain extent, Tony. Like, it's a nice story. I'm happy he made it. He deserves it. Yankees did the right thing. But it's that's kind of why I started the show. I don't know if you heard the Open talking about how, yeah. hey, l- losing Severino and what has happened in the rotation, that's more meaningful than Anthony Volpe starting his shortstop. Right. It's outrageous. Um, but anyway, to my Mets, <laughs> our Mets, uh, Sal, I'm just not too happy. I don't know. There's, I think our team has the third-best lineup in the division. Um. Something that really upset me over the offseason, obviously the Carlos Correa situation in general, but the way the Mets handled it. So when we had Correa for that moment, Steve Cohen said, this is the guy. This is the guy that's completing our roster. Okay. the final piece, Since then, correct. Those were his words. But then we lost the final piece, and we did nothing to supplement that. And since then, obviously, we've lost Edwin Diaz, the whole nine. So now you're taking me into a season – where I have to trust Billy Epler again, who, let's face it, totally failed the deadline last year. Now I have to trust him again to add that final missing piece. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Yes, I do. Exactly. I understand exactly what you're saying. Two things that happened. The Mets lost two significant pieces before we even got going. One was that final piece in Correa. And I know, look, it's not their fault. They were not going to end up paying whatever he got. They didn't trust the medicals, all those different things. And there wasn't a real replacement there. Now, I'm not saying that there's not going to be that at the deadline, but you're right. We're now counting on that again after thinking that the Mets had that in Correa. So they lost that piece, and then they lose Diaz in the WBC. Those are two major pieces that the Mets lost before they even got started. So they're up against it. They're going to need to add. You know, here's the good thing, though, Tony. Steve Cohen's going to yeah. add. They, they will add this year. And the deadline, although we gave Epler crap for it last year, and understandably so because the Mets did nothing where we thought that they would go out there and get a big bat and a big bullpen arm, similar now to what they need this year, the difference is last year there wasn't anybody really available. This year let's hope that it's better and, and that they're more aggressive now with the prospects if the right player is there. Absolutely. And just two quick things before I go. Uh I'm upset Beatty and Vientos aren't on the team. I have to deal with Darren Ruff. And, I mean, I think he's going to make the team. And then my last question to you, Sal, am I going over or under 96 wins this year for the boys? It's it's Come on. Uh, as much as I'd love to say over, you got to go under that number. Too much has to go under. I right. know. I agree. 96? Good talking to you, bro. You too, Tony. Thank you for the call. Keep, keep up the positivity. EJ informs me the number's 93.5. I thought 96 was too high. 93 and a half, a little more realistic. I still wouldn't, I would not touch it. You know, I don't want to jinx the team. Who, what kind of fool would want to do that? No, I'm not touching the 93 and a half. I mean, the, the good thing is that they don't have to win 95, 96 games. The goal is to win the division. I mean, everybody, I was down there flat out talking about how, Hey, does this, you know, does the regular season mean a little bit less or what? Goals to win the division, get the bye. Although I will say that there were, you know, one of the guys, let's put it this way, because I don't know what was off the record, what was on the record. I'll just keep everything off the record. One of the guys I talked to said that it's ideal to get the bye. The other guy that I talked to said that the bye might do some harm. Funny, right? But the goal is obviously to win the division. And even if they don't win the division, you still get in the postseason with 90 wins or whatever, like the Phillies did, and you could go on a run, especially the way the Mets are built. Look, the reason for the bad feel going in, and I knew this at the time, and this is why I was so upset at the time, the Diaz injury, it it ruined any kind of good feel that you want to have. Now we're going to be, what, two weeks removed from it by opening day? And the good news is that the Mets are still a good ball club and they will improve their ball club. Cohen basically said it. He did that podcast uh, for the Post. And he said, you know, they'll look to add. They're just not going to do it right now. Same thing with the bat. Like, what's happening here? Without the Mets coming out and saying it, and if they did, maybe I missed it, but without them flat out coming out and saying it, whether it's Epler or Cohen, they're going to let the beginning of the season play out, see what they have, whether that's with Vogelback or Ruff or Escobar. Based on how the first month or so goes, determine when they're going to bring up Beatty or Vientos if they need those guys to help. Then... 
after a couple more months, see what shakes free at the trade deadline, potentially for a bullpen arm or a big bat if needed. And they have the resources, whether it's finances or prospects, to do it. They're not giving up Beatty. They're not giving up Alvarez. Mauricio could be a trade piece. Vientos could be a trade piece. Maybe others could be trade pieces. But the Mets are going to be aggressive. Assuming they're you know, not buried by the trade deadline, which that would be a rough circumstance. Assuming they're not buried by the trade deadline, they're going to be aggressive. So what you want, Mets fans, you will get. You're just not going to get it right away. Now, we said the same thing last year, and the Mets fans did not get what they wanted. We wanted the big bullpen arm at the deadline, didn't get it. Wanted a big bat at the deadline, didn't get it. This year should be different. I don't think this is Epler not knowing what he's doing. It was Epler not feeling like there were moves that were worth it out there. Now, maybe this is the year where they pull the trigger and are more aggressive in getting that big piece that they need or pieces that they need. They will need a bullpen arm. That is just a fact. They're going to need another bullpen arm, and not just another one, preferably a dominant one that can close out games, whether it's Diaz's brother or whoever it may be that that shakes free. They're going to need a top bullpen arm, and they're going to need a bat. We know that going in. And the bottom line is this. If they want to win a World Series, they're going to have to do it. There can't be, well, there was nobody out there. Well, we don't want to give up the prospects. B.S., If you want to win a World Series, they're going to have to be aggressive this year. It's probably going to take a combination of the guys that they have doing their jobs, getting contribution from one of the studs in the minors, whether it be Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos, whatever. I mean, you do the math and assume it's Beatty, but they're going to have to get contributions from him and add a bullpen arm and a bat. That's how you add it up to winning a World Series. You know, the Yankees, you could say that they may need to add another arm in that rotation. The way that they've been dropping like flies. They're going to need productivity from Volpe or or the young guys. And obviously guys to stay healthy. And maybe add a bullpen arm. Yankees right now more complete than the Mets. Mets have the better rotation because it's healthier. But the Yankees much more complete team, especially when you factor in Diaz. Because that, you know, the Diaz injury was the equalizer. The Mets had an advantage over everybody, literally every team in the bullpen because of Edwin Diaz. And now they don't. So now they're back on level footing with the other teams as far as the bullpen goes. Maybe better with starting rotation. The lineup is not there, so the Mets have work to do. I understand. You know, it sucks that opening day is Thursday and there's a negative feel around a team that won 101 games last year, a team that has the richest owner in the sport, a team that has the highest expectations. But the reality is that it's a team that finished in a disappointing way last year. It is a team that had an up-and-down offseason because you had the highest of highs getting Correa and then the disappointment of losing Correa and then the devastation of losing the best closer in baseball in the WBC. I'll be nice to start this week. Go for it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com.
Monday morning. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. I watched uh, Succession last night and enjoyed it. Man, the acting in that show is so freaking good. It makes the entire show. You know what else we've been watching? My wife and I, we watched um, The Severance. Is that what it's called on Apple TV, Apple Plus, whatever? Just Severance. Um, it, it, just Severance is what it, you, you've watched that, Fleek? You saw the whole show? The series? Adam Scott show? Yes. With Christopher Walk and John Turturro, yes. Y- yes. What would you think of it? I watched it last year. I was obsessed with it. I cannot wait for season two. Oh, no. There's another season coming out? I thought this was a one and done. I wish. Stra- I mean, uh, see, here's the thing. I don't know if I'm enjoying it, but I'm intrigued by it. I'm curious. We're three episodes in. That's it. I know it won some awards last year. People were recommending it. Maybe you, in fact, even recommended to to us leagues. Um, does it get better? I mean, is it worth the? Uh, so it's worth the investment here, and then over the nine episodes. I think it absolutely is. Yes. All right. I mean, the first few. I just want to know what's going on. So I'm I'm hooked as far as being intrigued, but I'm not really enjoying it. It's more curiosity. Anyway, so then the plan was to watch that, which we did. So we caught up. Uh, we're, we're three episodes down there. We get uh, you know six to go, whatever it is. And then Succession, the, the final season. No spoilers uh, on Succession. Some of us were not able to watch it last night. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to spoil it. But the so the first episode aired last night, and like five minutes in, my wife falls asleep. And I kept watching. I plow through. I'm like, what do I got to do here? I got to pause, pause the show and then go do something. No, thank you. But look, you fall asleep. That's your loss. Now you watch it on your own time. And then after that, then I took a little nap. And then Fle- I wake up to a text from Fleeks. Are you on at one or you on at two? No, I was, schedule said two. What was the confusion there, Fleeks, by the way? Because didn't the schedule, I mean, the one that was sent out said 2 a.m. Because I double-checked it again tonight. Yeah, there was that. Then the one online said 1 o'clock. So just a little miscommunication. The one on the website? Yeah. Lori had seen that oh. and thought she was on at one. Oh, okay. The actual schedule though that we got in, in you know in our emails said too. Because you know, I worry about that sometimes, especially after the over oversleeping incident uh last year. But I worry about that. Yeah, I said too. All right, I got I got some time for a little nap. We get a nice little nap in. And then I couldn't even sleep after that anyway. But eight seven seven three. You think the Mets would have blown the division if you didn't oversleep that day? Because that was the day of the the gathering at the Mets game. That was the day the division was, in fact, over, or at least I thought. Oh, I came on flying that day. Even though I was an hour late, I was flying. Yeah, that probably uh, was basically was all downhill from there. You're right. Forget about me jinxing the team with the prediction. It was me falling asleep that cost the Mets the division. 877-337-6666. Val is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Val? You poor brother. Somehow it always comes back to being your fault, right? No matter how you try to get away from it, though. I'll never What's escape good, it. Man? <laughs> My man, Sal, how you doing tonight or this morning? Good, Val. How are you this morning? Good to hear from you. You know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good. I, I, I And I'm I'm actually, I've been humbled. Post out the, the last time we spoke and I had my bad guy moment. I was actually oh, talking yeah. to somebody. Yeah, I was talking to somebody at the, jo- uh, at the job, uh, talking with someone at the job about it. And uh, one of the ladies in the department, an older lady, overheard the conversation. She put me in my place, bro. Good for her, Val. You deserved she it. Put, Good for her. She put me in my place. She's like, who are you? I mean, you are right, right but you're a pretty boy yourself to be passing judgment. <laughs> I swear, after, after she said that to me, said I will never use the word ugly in reference to another human being again. Unless I'm Excellent. talking about 
stay inside. That is that but is I, true. I guess you you could use that if you'd like. Yeah, no, I, I I've come a long way since last week, so thank you very much, sir. Good to see the growth, Val, in such a short period of time. <laughs> Thanks for that older lady too. She definitely put me in my place, man. When she said it to me, it took me a second. I looked at her and I was like. I'm not even speaking to you. And then I thought about what she said. I'm like, dog, she's perfectly correct. Bro, you better get yourself in right. But um, to get to what I call tonight, Sal, a couple of things I wanted to get into. I feel like what you just said about the Mets right now is a kind of tone that's, that's going to push for not just your team, but for my team as well, too. Because everybody's in this kind of like look and see what we really have. You know what I mean? But I feel right. like everybody's in a spot where they're – you know, like with us, it's a little bit different than you guys because I think we have alternatives to go to when the struggles or the injuries and the things that come along, you know, might drop into the picture to try to face us. With you guys, I think you have the aggressiveness, especially with the kind of tone that, that Cohen is setting right now, that you right. will in fact, go out and get whatever you need. I mean, we we make trades all the time. The, 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 the only problem that we have is that Cashman doesn't always make the ones that we want or what we think are the right ones. But that's a separate issue altogether. Right. But, the um, Yankees, though, always go out there, Val. They always go out yeah, there and do it. It's just that sometimes we get, you know, people that we don't well, want and the ones that we do want, we don't get. So that's Well, they made yeah, like, last year the prime example was not getting Luis Castillo for Montas. Yankees yeah, yeah. didn't want to overpay. Now, whatever it would have been, it may, look, maybe it would have cost them Volpe. So, I mean, how could the Yankees ever and survive without Volpe? And at the I mean, same time. At the same time, getting Montas instead, you know, which is again well, right, we but that's the point, and it, it failed. And you know, not that that was the reason the Yankees didn't beat the Astros, but the Yankees didn't get the top of the top. They they had to settle yeah. for less than, and look where look where it got them this year. I mean, I, I and Stuart Brewer was something good too because I was glad to hear that Volpe made the squad. Oh, Volpe, sorry, made the squad, but I was a little bit kind of turned off by the fact that they sent Peraza back down because I thought he was guaranteed to be on the roster to start. I mean, not that he would have, you'd have seen him on open day, on opening day, but that he would have been part of the 45. But um, I guess at some point he'll probably come up too because I think what's going to happen is there's going to be, at some point, they're going to have to make a decision with uh, Donaldson because either he's going to, like, he's had a decent enough spring, but, you know, the way I feel about him is that at some point, he's going to start to show himself and he might even struggle and they might have to do something with that. And well, with right. Blade, that's why it's nice. It's not, it's not, it's nice that they have that insurance there with the depth. That's by design. The Yankees have exactly. insurance in case, okay, well, let's say this guy gets hurt. We plug this guy in. Let's say this guy underperforms. We plug that guy in, you know, Boone himself said on the talking Yanks podcast with John boy and Jake, um, that he believes Donaldson's going to have a big year. Now, that's Boone putting himself on the line like that. I And I don't care what he did in the spring. I, I highly doubt Donaldson's going to be ever the player that he once was. If he is, I mean, then the Yankees are going to be in for a good season because if you get that type of production from Donaldson, you don't have to worry about Peraza. And you don't even have to worry about Volpe to a certain extent. If Donaldson's performing I, like that, you're going to be set in the infield. Those are decent problems to have, you know what I mean? And that's what I meant when I said I think we have the alternatives, you know what I mean, as opposed to necessarily being fresh to have to go out and, and trade for it just, just yet. Well, look at their lineup. But, uh, I mean, their lineup is yeah, absolutely yeah, no. loaded. You're right. you got the extra. LeMay, who's going to be leading off, his bat will be in that lineup. Volpe, who knows what the rookie's going to produce. But if he does, I mean, you've got Glaber. Even Glaber, who's not reaching the 
highest of levels that maybe we expected, he's still good. Rizzo, Donaldson, if Donaldson does what Boone expected, Judge, Stanton, I mean, the Yankees are absolutely loaded offensively. I'm going to tell you a couple other things about that, too. The interesting thing today was listening to not just Boone, but I actually heard Cashman say himself, all of a sudden trying to remind Yankee fans as if we needed him to remind us that when they got Stanton, he was supposed to be an everyday outfielder. So you can see already where, like, even the desperation with what's going on in the outfield as far as Vader going down and not having the left fielder, they're already starting to, to, to try to do things with uh, Shift Stanton and, and let him actually play right. the field. Right, but, but here's the, I think here's the thing, Val. value actually went up. Like, he actually improved his value. So if we need to make a move or something like that, he's actually looking good to actually get us something. So it, there's a lot of things that are happening on those fronts that actually make but me feel optimistic. Here's and the thing, Val, and, well, and thank you for the call, Val. Sorry to cut you off there, but I was uh, sneaking in my, my window here, trying to get trying to get in, Val. You get let me get a word in. No, we appreciate you taking the time to call. The Cashman could say whatever he wants about Stanton. Oh, you forget we acquired him to be a regular outfielder. No, we didn't forget. I remember vividly. You acquired him to be an everyday outfielder. Here's also what I remember. He's never been one with you. He's always hurt. It's not our fault that Stanton's getting hurt. It's not our fault that we sit here and watch this guy play half seasons. I'm not the one who said he couldn't play the outfield. I've seen it since he's been here. You're right. You acquired him to be an everyday outfielder. He hasn't been. That's the problem. So why would I think after all these years that all of a sudden now is going to be the year where, you know, Boone and Cashman are telling us, oh, you know, you forget Stanton plays the outfield. Oh, he did? When exactly? Yeah, with with the Marlins. I'm aware. I'm aware of what's gone on with him. It's not my fault. Now, I didn't think the Yankees needed the trade stand to begin with. And the fact that they did, because they basically got him for nothing, they just took on the salary. But then that was their big move. And then Big G is always on the I.L. He had one his first year, one good year with the Yankees. Uh, not just one good year, but as far as health goes. He was hurt all 2019, pandemic in 2020. He was even hurt then. Played 140 games in 2021. And last year he played 110 games. He got the guy's always hurt. And when you look at what the Yankees, he's been a DH the majority of the time. He just doesn't play in the outfield. Now, they want to say that because of him not being in the outfield every day, that's what's leading him to be injured. Hey, you might as well try something. But don't play him. I was being like, oh, yeah, we forgot that John Carl Stanton could play the outfield. No, I remember when you got him. Yeah, he was an outfielder. Since you got him, he's been a DH. Chris is calling from Beacon. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Zal. How are you, Chris? Good. How are you doing? Um, look, um, I'm miserable. Uh, I should not be feeling like this a couple of days before the, you know, opening day. Look what. Look at how fast things can change in a couple of months. A couple of months, I called you, Sal, and we were celebrating this Correa signing, supposable signing, and we could say what we want about that medicals, this and that. Um, obviously, the Twins had no concern with that. They, you know, they even though they had the uh, six years and the six years of physicals each year. Point of the matter is, look how fast we have dropped from me and you were talking about World Series at that point. And now we're talking about, are we even going to be in the mix for a division with the, with Philly and the Braves? And this Diaz injury, to me, is significant. 
Because, you know, when you have a lights-out closer like he was last year, even if he's three-quarters away, it's big. There's going to be a lot of games. We're going to see blown games. We're going to say, we don't know if Diaz would have closed that game. Most likely, he was one, two, three, uh, getting people out last year. And, you know, what changed? You know, we knew we had the stuff, but we had a guy like Buck who probably, I think it was more mental, who, you know, got him where he needed to be. And like I said, it, it's big. And, and the point I was trying to make on Friday was, is the Yankees didn't send out a judge like that. Anybody they gave significant money to, Sal, were not playing in that game. Because you know what? Um, you know, Yankees are always in for a World Series. That's their main goal. And that should be all our goals. And we have a $300 million player, Sal, talking about this means more than a World Series. I didn't see him run. I didn't see Lindor running for in the park home run like he ran in that game, like uh, when he played against. Well, the one thing about Lindor, though, the one thing about Lindor, though, Chris, is he played every game last year. The guy is playing banged up. He doesn't play. uh, He's playing when he's not 100%. He plays excellent defense. He had a terrific year, too, driving and runs, hitting with some power, hitting with a better average. Uh, uh, Let's see Lindor's season play out here. The Diaz point you bring up is a good one because what you want to do as a team. You let me go. You, yeah, I'll, I'll, you, I'll let you get that okay. point in. What you want okay. to do as another team or as a team is eliminate the question marks. You want to. There's always going to be things that pop up. There's always going to be issues and question marks. You want to eliminate as many question marks as you can going into a year. So the Mets did that when they hired Buck Showalter as manager, right? They eliminated the question mark with the manager. We now know once they hired Buck, the manager's not an issue. When the Mets had in when Diaz last year as the closer, the way he performed, you didn't have to worry about that. Closer was not the, the the answer was solved. The question was solved. We had the answer. It was that one Diaz. You don't have to worry about it now. This yeah. year going in, they, that's a big question mark. You don't know who's going to close out these big spots in these games for the Mets this year. That is a major question mark. Exactly. And I would have gave big money for two years. Maybe Carlos Correa would have would have took it. Who knows? He he took a one year deal anyway. That one with the Twins the first time. But the point of the matter is. It's always with the Mets, man. It always feels like we take a step forward and we take three steps back. Make it a World Series and not get into a playoffs in seven years or whatever it was. It's, it's just, it just it's mind-boggling. me. Now, Stephanie, the point of the matter is just like, I'm losing my train of thought. But the point of the matter is, um, oh, I'm not losing my train of thought. The point of the matter is, Sal, I'm not, I'm not happy at where we're going right now. Oh, another question. Look, I still have question marks with Pete. You know, and, you know, he needs to get his emotions set. I don't know. He's, he's sitting there whining. They're sitting on a bench in this random tournament last year. I well, forget the WBC. What, well, what's the issue with Pete? I mean, Alonzo was did. the RBI machine last year well, for him, for you goodness sake. I know, but well, last year it was situations where he was getting upset with certain uh, situations and it was upset throughout the whole the whole uh, game or something like that. He seems like he needs to get his emotions checked because, look, I'm not giving him no $300, $350 million right now. He needs to show a little more this year. But, you know, to me, what, what the thing with Pete is he doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like he scares a lot of, a lot of batters. You don't have a, a, a Aaron Judge or even John Carlo. You don't know when they're going to hit that ball 450 feet anytime. Pete, sometimes to me, it's, it's really like sometimes if he does it, it's going to be strikeout or a pop-up. He doesn't have that big bat that we need. We don't have that Juan Soto. And the thing is, why are we holding on to these projects? Well, I call them in to the projects we don't know. We don't know what any of these guys are going to be. And you don't know. It's it like uh, he has, this GM, what his name is, has too much cash in him holding on to these guys. 
I would have went in with my Padres and got Soto and signed him. That's a guy we Yeah, but they they weren't gonna they weren't gonna trade the weren't trade thanks for the Colkers. They weren't gonna trade the Nationals. We're not gonna trade Juan Soto in the division. You guys are now making up stuff to complain about. Come on, Chris. I mean, I get it to a certain extent with the Mets where, yeah, all right, Alonzo was not you know, even though he you look at his numbers, Pete has put up good numbers three years out of his four in the big leagues. And the only one was the pandemic year. And even then he hit, you know, 16 homers in, in 57 games. But outside of that, he is Pete Alonso has proven to be a hitter. He's played a rookie year, 161 games, 53 homers, 121 ribbies while hitting 260. Sign me up. 2021, 37 homers, 37, 94 RBI, and hit 262. I mean, we're talking about consistency. All right, he comes in, he played 152 games. Last year, 160 games, 40, 131, 271. What don't you like about Alonzo? What's the issue there with Pete? I will say that I do agree with you to the extent of the, it just feels like he's not the star that the other star players are, and I don't know why that is. You know, Judge is different level, forget it, with the 62 homers, and even that's an aberration. He's not going to do it again. You wouldn't think. I mean, who knows? 50, sure, but 62? I don't know about that. Anyway, why is Alonzo not yet looked at? He's had he's been in the big leagues four years, one of them a pandemic year. Three of those years, the guy's hit 53, 37, and 40 homers. I mean, it's not the steroid era anymore. He plays every day. He drives and runs. He hits with power. Oh, and by the way, even his average, career 260. So what's the issue with Pete? Why don't we look at Alonzo as a star? Because he is. But with Alonzo and Lindor, they still need one more bat. Marte's terrific. I love him. McNeil, obviously, great average. They need one more power bat. That's what they're missing in the lineup. If the Mets get a power bat, their lineup is set. Assuming everybody, you know, everybody stays healthy there. But if they get one more bat, their lineup is set. They need a closer. And, I mean, I guess they could use another arm in the rotation depending on the performance of Kodai Senga, you know, Carlos Carrasco. You know what Verlander and Scherzer are going to be. Senga's a question mark. You just don't know. Carrasco's been up and down in his career at this point. And who knows with Peterson or McGill. So, I mean, they could use – the Mets definitely need a closer now, unfortunately. Definitely need a big bat and probably need one more arm in that starting rotation. Sanchez gets hit, the ball is loose, and it's alive. And then going into the end zone is Steve Gregory. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. And it was the backside of Brandon Moore that knocked the ball out. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app.
Got it back on the fan. 877 337 is the number to call. Going until 5 a.m. Joe is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Joe? Hey, Sal. Great show again. And I, first oh. of all, before I make my point, I want to thank you again for giving accolades to my son after I got off the phone last time when he came home from Kuwait. Pre- yeah, no, no, you don't have to thank me. Thank him, as we said. So, I mean, no, he did the work. Big match fan, Sal. He loves your show, too. Um, Tell him thank now, you very much. I appreciate that. Now, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about all these, uh, you know, the prospects we have. We have Alvarez, which to me, it seems like uh, Parada is a more polished catcher. You agree? or No. I, first of all, I couldn't tell you a, a thing about Parada. You're talking about defensively? Defensively, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Alvarez is as bad as everybody's making it seem. I can't imagine Parada is as far along as Alvarez. I mean, they, they just drafted Parada last year. So I would, he might be a better defensive catcher. I can't imagine, though, he's as far along as far as being ready for the majors as Alvarez is, who's had more work. And Alvarez, I thought, did a nice job improving defensively or at least showing some signs defensively in in camp this spring. So he's got some stuff to work on and obviously his bat wasn't there either. You know, remember Alvarez did not hit at all this spring. So that that's an issue too. Maybe he's dealing with some pressure. No, that's why I listen to you and uh you know what? I, it just seemed that this kid was he a college kid? He uh he honed his defensive skills in college though, Parada or no? I I'm not sure about Fleas, you know about Parada as far as him being a uh a defensive stud or college uh you know, he, he got his work in, in college. Honestly, Joe, I don't pay attention to the prospects until they're almost ready because you know, we talk about what's up here at the major league level. I know that prospects have been made more of a focal point and I know a little bit about, you know, the name of Parada obviously and, and what he can bring, but I don't I can't tell you specifics about his game yet. Sometimes Fleas pays more attention to it. So Sal, I looked at a few things. I mean, w- would you be willing to trade Alvarez for anybody or no? Probably not at this point, but I get where you're going, Joe. If you're saying, and thank you for the call, I appreciate the kind words. I get where you're going. That They're not going to have two catchers here moving forward. It's going to be one or the other, right? Ass- assuming Prada. Fleeks, do you know if Prada's where, where we're at like with him? I mean, it's way early in the development, right? We're still three years away, I would think, at least with him. I would assume EJ's fleeks there. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, no, he's gone. Oh, okay. Oh, he's not there. Okay. Uh, well, whatever. I mean, then we'll, maybe we'll find somebody else who could uh, help you out with it. But no, we'll get Joe DeMeo on. Uh, let's, let's give him a ring. See what he's doing at this hour. But with Parada, I can't. I'd be lying if I said I knew much about it. I just don't think that he's close to being a big leaguer yet. Projecting down the road. Could I see a scenario where one of those guys is traded? Potentially. But remember, too, with the DH now being in play, why wouldn't you, if you believe Alvarez bat is going to be a difference maker in the big leagues, why wouldn't you just keep both and have Alvarez catch a little bit and DH a little bit? And same thing with Prada. But now you're getting down the road here, Joe, because Alvarez isn't even here yet. And he's one of the top prospects in Major League Baseball, right? So we can't go further down on the farm and start looking for answers. Not at this point. There will be a time when he's ready and we'll have more info on him. But for me, right now, he's not even a thought. Tom is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Tom? Hey, how you doing? 
Hey, um, on the Lonzo, I mean, <clears throat> alone, probably he's not seen as the carrier of the team. Do you think, have the Mets made the playoffs with him there? I don't know. Have they made the playoffs with him on the team? What, the, you're asking me if the have, Mets made the playoffs with Pete Alonzo? On the team, yeah. Yeah, you know, last think, year. Okay, you know, I don't pay that much. Okay, so well, you know, it's not exactly they're not making a playoff. So, I don't know. He's just a quiet guy. The team needs to make a little more noise so he can maybe be noticed a little more. Well, I mean, what does he got to do to be noticed? The guy's hitting homers left and right. I mean, I gave you the numbers before. It, 53 in his rookie crazy. year. That's crazy. And you know what? And, and, and he drove at 131 runs last year. Led the league. I know. But let me say this. Believe me, people are watching. And let him want well, to leave the are, are you? Are you? Pe- people make- are watching, Tom, but are you watching is the question. Yeah, because I would take him anytime. Any day. Well, I'm just saying. Well, team. they made. The, yeah. Well, you're right. <laughs> and you know, they, they were in the they were in the playoffs last year. Thank you for the call, Tom. They, they were in the playoffs last year with Pete Alonso, and that's why we joke around and say, "Were you watching?" Of course, because you weren't sure if the Mets made the playoffs with them. Just having some fun with you. But seriously, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not that people don't want Alonso. I do feel like he is looked at on a lesser level than some of the game's biggest stars. Look, I've said this before, and I, and I don't know if that's his personality. I don't know why that is. The numbers show you he is a legitimate offensive star. So why don't either people believe in it? He's done it three years. It's not one-year thing. It's not even a two-year fluke. He's done it three years out of the four. The only year he didn't do it was the pandemic year. He plays every day, as Omar, Omar Maniah would say. He, he posts. He plays every day, and the guy just hits homers, drives and runs, hits for a good average. I mean, he is a hitter. He's consistent. He's cut down on strikeouts significantly. His first year, he struck out 183 times. Since then, in the last two full seasons, 127, 128 times. He's consistent with the walks. I mean, Alonzo is a dream because he is a consistent machine. Slugging, same. OPS, same. You basically right now can pencil Pete in for 40 homers. It'd be Let's say between 35, and he'll go over 35. Between 35 and 45 homers. Between, what, 120 or more ribbies. Roughly 260, between 260, 270, and 860 OPS. I mean, that's what Alonzo's going to do. He'll strike out 125 times, walk around 60 times. He's done it the last two years in a row. I've said this many times before. I'll continue to say it. Pete Alonzo, when all said and done, will go down as the greatest Mets position player in team history. Homegrown. He'll have the longevity, and he's going to put up the numbers. He's already got three of the best years in franchise history. Already. He's played four. He's played four seasons. Three of them, he's put up big uh, record-breaking numbers. May not even be close, honestly, when all said and done. Forget Piazza. Forget, And I love Piazza, obviously. 
Beltron, Wright, Straw. Pete's going to beat them all.